And we'll thank you forever and ever. We ask your Holy Spirit to reveal your word to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can turn with me to Mark chapter 5. I want to talk to you about an event that happened in Jesus' life that turned out to be pretty interesting. There was a number of people involved in this event. Jesus, of course, his disciples, uh, a fairly well-known wealthy man, an anonymous woman, a young woman, people that scorned Jesus' crowd, miracles. And I think that in this story, we should be able to see something that we can, or someone that we can identify with. I really want you to put yourself in this story. I love that when I read, I love to put myself in the place of the people that the Bible talks about to try to understand what they were going through and what they were saying, etc. Now you've all heard this story before probably, but we're going to we're going to kind of examine it real carefully. I'm going to read it to you first. Mark chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 21. Okay, Mark 5, 21. I'll wait till you get there. Mark 5, 21 says this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers, this would be a person that kind of took care of the synagogue, uh, kind of like a manager, if you will. One of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. Quote, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. In Matthew, it tells us, in Luke, it tells us this daughter was 12 years old. At the age of 12, during this culture, this little girl would be just at the point of becoming a woman. In fact, many girls in this age, 12, 13, 14, were getting ready for marriage. It says in verse 24, so Jesus went with him. So the ruler asked Jesus to come to my house. My daughter is very sick. Will you come with me? Jesus says, yes, I will. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had some type of a problem with uh, either her menstrual period or some, some type of a bleeding issue that caused her to be unclean. If you read in Leviticus chapter 15, that blood was considered unclean for a certain period of time. You had to wash the clothes. You weren't even allowed to touch the seat of someone that was bleeding. It was, it was a pretty bad deal. And she'd been bleeding like this for 12 years. Now, it says in verse 26, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. 
It's interesting in the book of Luke, who was a doctor, he doesn't mention this verse. <laughs> yeah, this is, Mark mentions it. It says in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Now the cloak would have been like a, we would probably call it a coat today, but it was like a cloak that the Jews would put over their shoulder and it had tassels blue with blue yarn on it on every corner. The tassels were ordered, okay, in numbers, in the book of Numbers, that the Jewish men had to wear and it was to remind them of God's commands, okay? So this is what she touched. She came behind Jesus and she touched one of the tassels. Now it says here in, in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. There was sometimes and often in the communities a superstition that if you touched a prophet's clothes, that things could happen to you. And maybe this was a part of her uh, motivation is maybe there was some superstition here. She says, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. This word felt in the Greek is the word gnosko, which means she knew by experience her bleeding had stopped. As soon as she touched Jesus' cloak, her bleeding stopped and she felt it. She knew it in her body. Okay? Now, it says in verse 30, At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Well, Jesus knew who touched her, right? So he was really, in a way, he was calling her out. It says here in verse 31, You see the people crowding up against you, his disciples answered. And yet, you can ask, who touched me? You know, I, I almost sense a little sarcasm in here, which the disciples had no reason to be. You can't be sarcastic with Jesus. I mean, there's no way. It says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Maybe the woman had kind of shrunk back into the crowd. It says, let me see, when, verse 32, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Isn't it inter interesting that she came and fell at Jesus' feet and so did Jairus, the synagogue ruler? We'll get into that in a second. So, in verse 34, Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." You know, this, this not only had a physical suffering, but think about this for just a minute. She was ostracized 
and abandoned by her own people for 12 years. She was considered an unclean person. And in the Jewish culture, when you were considered an unclean person, you were like pushed out of society. Okay? So this, is, this healing for her was not only a big physical deal, but it was a mental deal too. Not only that, but it was most certainly spiritual. So, verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came, came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. In the Greek, this tense would could easily be translated, keep on believing. Keep on believing. Verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. You know, it's interesting, in the Jewish culture, they hired professional mourners. Okay? So at a funeral, if you didn't have enough family, you would hire people to mourn with you. Now, does that seem weird to us? You know? What's your occupation? I'm a professional whaler. You mean you go out and catch whales? No, I just mourn. Really? So there's this commotion. There's this, and if you've ever, um, <coughs> ever seen anything on television about the Middle East when people whale, they whale. I mean, they don't mess around. They whale. So they said to it, Jesus said to him, she's not asleep. She's, she's not dead. She's asleep. And the, it says they laughed at him. They laughed at him kind of with scorn. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother, that would be Jairus and his wife, and the three disciples who were with him, and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. You know, I'm sure that in reading this, some of you have probably picked out a few nuggets, a few nuggets that we can mine out of this story. Let's go back to the beginning, okay? So what I want to tell you today, what I want you to take away from this is keep on Believing. Never give up hope, even when things look really, really bad. In fact, even when things look impossible. You know what? God's timing is imperfect, and God can do anything. Now, it says in verse 21, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. You know, it's interesting. We've seen in the Bible 
that there have literally been thousands of people that have gathered around Jesus. You know, we think, well, you know, 10, 20, 30 people maybe. No, literally, Jesus' reputation had gone before him. There could be hundreds of people, uh, maybe even more than that, gathered around this occasion. It says in verse 22, Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus. Jairus, Jairus was probably pretty well known in this area. He was probably wealthy. I mean, you've got to be kind of wealthy to hire professional mourners, right? Okay? And he had his own house, etc. So he was probably pretty well-to-do. Had a good life. Everything's going well with Jairus. Things are clicking right along. He goes to the synagogue, does his duties. Everybody says hi to him. Everybody respects him. He's just a good guy. Nice family. Only daughter. This is his only daughter. And she's 12 years old. Probably daddy's girl. Alright? It says, Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there seeing Jesus. He fell at his feet. You know, this goes to show us that not all Jewish people were against Jesus, were they? There's many Jewish people that believed in Jesus, including some of the religious leaders of the time. And put yourself in Jairus' place. You know, he probably was wealthy enough to hire doctors, to take his little girl to the doctor, etc. He was well known enough as a Jewish leader, and yet he goes in front of Jesus, who is really an itinerant preacher. Jesus had nothing. Jesus even said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus didn't have enough money to pay taxes. He had to pull a fish out of the Peter pulled a fish out of the water so he could get the tax to pay the uh, the money to pay the tax for the apostles and himself, right? And yet Jairus goes to Jesus and kneels down and prostrates himself in front of him. What does that tell you about humility? Okay? Jairus was being humble. And yet Jairus, this was probably the last step in Jairus's uh, journey on this in this occasion. Jairus was probably kind of desperate, wouldn't you think, for his daughter to be healed. So he prostrates himself before Jesus and he pleaded earnestly with him. It even gives, the, gives us the quote, my little daughter is dying. Now this little daughter is about to become a woman. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Perhaps Jesus' reputation had gone before him and Jairus knew that, hey, Jesus was a healer. He was a prophet of some sort. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to ask him to come and heal my daughter. So Jesus went with him. So Jairus has got to be like on top of the world here, man. I got Jesus. He's coming with me. This is going to be all good, right? It says a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. I've already explained to you. She was an outcast. She was, read Leviticus chapter 15. It says even if her husband touches her, 
he's got to be quarantined for a week. It, it was just, it was a, a, kind of a bad deal. And it says that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now think about this. You got Jairus on the one hand, probably fairly well to do, things are going great. Daughter gets sick, doctors can't heal her, he goes to Jesus. Well known, well respected, this woman is anonymous. Not only is she anonymous, but she's broke. She has spent all of her money. Can anybody identify with this? Can anybody identify with this? Yeah. You know, we need to understand that sometimes when things are going real good, tragedy can strike. You better be ready for tragedy to strike because it can and it probably will. In this woman's case, tragedy had struck 12 years ago and it had just kept striking and striking and striking. She had no relief from this. So Jairus and this woman are kind of on two different sides of the spectrum and yet they both needed the same thing, didn't they? They both needed Jesus for healing. Now, here's what happens. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Now, she had enough faith to go to Jesus and to believe that he was a healer. Perhaps there was some superstition in there or not. Who knows? Okay? That's one. You might want to turn it off. Okay? But yet she had enough faith. Jairus, he had some faith, didn't he? Came to Jesus. The woman had some faith. She came to Jesus. We need to keep come to Jesus in faith, even though our situations may be totally different. Now, she says in verse 28, because she touched his cloak, because she thought, if. Now, the if here is the is the sequence of her faith. That's her faith coming out. Whatever little faith or big faith she had, that's it. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, that's what she did. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt, she knew in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So she probably kind of shrunk back from the crowd and probably was, man, this is wonderful. But Jesus stops in his tracks, doesn't he? He says, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? The disciples come up. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you, you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Hmm. Put yourself in Jairus's place. Uh, Jesus thought, <clears throat> we kind of got to go. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, so who touched? Get rid of this man. My daughter, you know, she's sick, blah, blah, blah. You know? Would you have been that way? Be honest. I would have. I'm like, Jesus, I came to you. I asked you to come to my daughter. You said you wouldn't. Now you're looking around for some person you think touched you. 
Hmm. Put your place in. Put yourself in the place of a woman. Ooh. Am I in trouble? Yeah. I touched him. I touched him knowingly. I got healed. Am I in trouble? Is he going to scold me? Is he going to embarrass me? What's going to happen here? Well, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, isn't that a term of endearment? Daughter? It is a, you woman. He said, daughter. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. In the Greek, this could be translated, go into peace. Isn't that great? Go into peace and be freed from your suffering. Wow, what a beautiful thing. Now, think about this. Here are your gyrus, okay? Your daughter's sick, you're growing impatient. You just see, you've just seen quite a miracle happen in front of you. So now you're thinking, oh, well, we can get on with our business now. And this is good because that power, Jesus has power. He must be from God. He's going to heal my daughter. Uh-oh. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. This is the worst news you could have. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Why bother the teacher anymore? Have you ever felt like you're bothering God? Have you ever, I know the answer to this, have you ever prayed the same prayer over again? I have prayed several prayers now for over 20 years. I've seen some prayers that have been praying for seven years that haven't been answered yet. Or some prayers that have been praying for other periods of time that haven't been answered yet. How about you? Is our prayers lost in the shuffle? No. Did God file them in a different cabinet? No. You know, you think about this now, okay? Think about this for just a minute. Your daughter is dead. So we go from a miracle of healing, and we know the story, don't we? We go from a miracle of healing to a miracle of raising somebody from the dead. Which is the greater miracle? I would think raising somebody from the dead, wouldn't you? Sure. So Jairus and his family now, because of the delay, Jesus delayed. What happened at Lazarus? Remember Lazarus' death? They sent the Mary and Martha sent a message to Lazarus. He's sick. You need to come right away. And Jesus kind of lollygagged. Jesus probably never lollygagged, did he? Lollygagged. Come up with that word. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus waited. He waited, I think it said, for how many days? Four days. Then he goes, and Mary and Martha are brokenhearted, and they said, Lord Jesus, if you'd only been here, you could have saved him. You know, what was the greater miracle? To heal Lazarus or raise him from the dead? Well, let's go on. Here's what it says. It says, verse 36, ignoring what they said, 
Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just keep on believing. Listen, I am telling you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth today, okay? Don't be afraid, keep on believing. I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what kind of issues each one of us have. Each one of us have issues that probably need tissues, right? Keep on believing. Don't be afraid. Your prayers are not lost with God. He, he, our prayers are so important to Him that it says that they are kept under the altar by the throne of God and that they are a sweet fragrance to God. Read Revelation chapter Okay. Well, so Jairus, he's tagging along with Jesus. He says, "Okay, Lord, all right. If you say so, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna have faith. I know that you, you can have this in control." He did not let any, anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they all laughed at him. You know, two instances put yourself in the place of Jesus if you can. The first thing in verse 36, it says that he ignored what they said. Jesus Christ ignored what they said. They said the kid's dead. Your daughter's dead. You know what Jesus said? I don't care. It's not a problem with me. It's not a problem with God. Your finances are dead. You take that bill at the end of the month and you ain't got enough money to pay it. You know what? Jesus can resurrect that. You get that bad report from the doctor and it's bad. And you go, oh Lord, how can Jesus can heal? That relationship that went sour Husband and wife, child, parents, neighbor who has a barking dog and you shot it. God can heal, okay? All things. He can heal the relationship. Shannon, you're not leaving because you're mad, are you? Okay. I had birds, but she's growing now. Her daughter, the little one there. Okay. Three touchdowns this morning and she ran over a bunch of boys, she said. <laughs> the girl's going to be a problem when she's about 22. <laughs> a good problem. Jesus Christ ignored what they said. You know what? It doesn't make any difference what you said. I can do. God can do anything. Now, put yourself in his place. He comes into the house. He says... The girl is not dead. She's just asleep. Well, they knew she was dead. And yet, instead of saying, oh, this is Jesus. Jesus, why would you say that? I mean, we, we've witnessed her death. I mean, is there something that we don't know? No, instead they laughed at him scornfully, it says. If somebody laughs at you because of your faith, you know what? Put them away. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. 
and went in where the child was. Wow. Where was the child? Where was the spirit of this child at this point? You have to kind of ask yourself. And I'll tell you why. It says because her spirit came back to her. Okay? So where was her spirit at this time? It says here, he took her by the hand. This is a dead person. So not only did the unclean woman touch Jesus, but now Jesus touched an unclean person because it was a dead person. Jesus kind of broke all, all of the rules. It says here, he took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. This wasn't a suggestion. This was a command in the Greek. He commanded her to get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they, that would be the parents, maybe even the disciples, were completely astonished. He gave her, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And I love the last part of this verse. And he told them to give her something to eat. Probably chicken soup. <laughs> is that awesome? You know, here is this little girl. Here's the parents. Here's Jesus. He brings her back from the death. And not only does he consider her spiritual needs, but he considers her physical needs too. That's awesome. Listen, my friends. God loves us deeply and dearly. I ask him occasionally, why? Why the heck do you love us when we're such backward people? I never get an answer. <laughs> he just loves us. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Jesus loves you and me. Listen, no problem's too big for God to solve. No prayer is too small to offer up to God. Keep on believing. <clears throat> Never give up hope because God has our lives in His hands. Okay? Pray with me, would you? Dear Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. Please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me to keep on believing and to keep praying. I know nothing is impossible with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. That must be him now. Johnny, let's sing something, shall we? Oh, how he loves